0: I will <small noise> Hey guys, what's up? It is 326 and before we get into the reviews, this just showed up. Um, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. I'm going to probably check it out a little bit more in depth next week, some of the new special features and everything. But this is on Earth's release of August Underground. uh, Fred Vogel's August Underground. Now I contributed to this Blu-ray a little bit. You guys know that I've uh, interviewed Fred a couple times and uh, talked to him on my channel and everything. Fred's a great guy. Hung out with him at Wasteland. Uh, So so we're we're friends. Um, So I got asked to be a part of this. Blu-ray. Now it's nothing super special that I did. It's special because it's the first time this has actually had a, a distributed release, which is amazing. But uh, my my personal partake. You know, I just talked to Fred a little bit and, you know, Fred's the star of the show on that. But uh, I also kind of put him and Mike White together and they talked and everything and recorded that. So there's some cool stuff on here. Besides that, there's a slew of new features on here. Remind you that August Underground is like one of the craziest found footage movies of all time. Like the fake snuff movies, the faux snuff. This is one of the first ones that kind of do it. One of the first ones that pushed that subgenre forward and changed kind of the landscape of extreme horror films in 2001, believe it or not. So we're Looking at what, 22-year kind of thing here. Now, August Underground Mortem's coming out this year, and so is uh, Penance, and then a box set. So with more special features. But as far as this is concerned, look how many special features are on this bad boy from On Earth Films, a great home for the August Underground films. First time this is ever getting distributed. That's a huge deal. So as far as the Blu-ray concern, um features we have original screener version uh, that's new, new audio commentary by actor-director Fred Vogel and Ultraviolet Magazine's art editor, audio commentary by Fred Vogel with actors Aaron Labonte and Ben Labonte, the twins in it, who are special effects artists, audio commentary by actor-director Fred Vogel, audio commentary by The Killer, new 10 questions with Fred Vogel new toe-tag masterclass from storyboard to screen, new Dave Parker interviews Fred Vogel wonder who that guy is, new Dave Parker interviews Fred Vogel and Mike Watt, Um, new Revisiting Infamy, Severed Cinema interviews Fred Vogel hammer to the head a closer look at August Underground August Underground Location, August Underground Behind the Brutality, August Underground Too Real for Comfort and an Outsider's Perspective, and Introduction by Director Fred Vogel, Photo Gallery and Trailers. And then a lot of these uh, are also on the DVD. This is a DVD and Blu-ray on here. It, doesn't, it looks like uh, all the same stuff are on the DVD and Blu-ray. But yeah, so this is a bad boy uh, edition here. Pretty crazy. Slip cover, uh, different cover art, pretty gnarly stuff there. And then we have, of course, two discs. Open it up. There'll be a closer look too. Would you like a closer look? I am a big fan of waxwork, and you can see that kind of the original, I think, screener version here. This is actually the first time me seeing it too. Um, I think it's very cool. I think it's awesome, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Uh, I have a little thing on the mortem too, and I'll probably have something on penance. So it's honor to be part of uh, the toe tag kind of thing here, the August Underground trilogy on Blu-ray. It's honor to be part of On Films, and it's just an honor. I love it. It's very cool, and I can't wait to pop this in and check it out. And it's also gonna look great on the shelf next to On Earth Films. It belongs. It so belongs. It's just kind of destiny, right? So let's get into the reviews. And the first one up is super crazy here. It is 1971 and it is uh, Unmin, Wittering and Zingo or Zygo. And this is a strange film. This is a movie that I knew, uh, after it was like, I saw the title and I did not really have any clue what it is. It's David starring David Hemmings. And this is based off, uh, kind of like a radio show. I think there was a radio version, kind of like radio play deal. And this is from Arrow Video. So David Hemmings is no stranger to the cult film or uh, he's a great genre actor. Actors and stuff, obviously like Deep Red and, and Blow Up, and just a ton and ton of movies. He, he worked all the way up until you know his death, really. I mean, he's in uh, the Doctor Jekyll for the BBC. He was in. He directed films like The Survivor. Um, he worked on stuff like uh, Dark. Um, what is that? Dark Forces, I think is that one called from 1980. But uh, yeah, David Hemmings is a great actor. He's in that excellent one that Mondo Macabre put out, where his mother is like a, he's like a little man child. That's a great one. But uh, this one is super interesting, and uh, some people can. Compared to straw dogs and, and i could see that some of the special features were, were kind of referencing this as kind of a straw dogs kind of storyline here so this uh this teacher all he ever wanted to do was kind of teach he and david hammings he's really into it and he goes to this kind of upper class school with uh you know it's kind of like strict too and uh right away things are kind of strange like the 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 people that work there don't the professors don't seem to care, they have some weird ideology, all sorts of things that just don't really match up to how he feels, but you know that could just be older people, people that don't want to do it. So what happens is, uh, he starts to teach the class, and everybody's disruptive and bizarre, and uh, pretty quickly, the kids start to joke around, or, or Heath seems to think that they killed the previous teacher. In fact, the, the opening of the film opens up with kind of a point of view of somebody falling off a cliff, this kind of isolated location right on the cliff, so boom, and you kind of get the idea that maybe a couple people fell off here. So the kids start to kind of screw with the teacher saying that, you know, we killed him and we'll do the same to you if you don't cooperate with us. And as it progresses, he gets more uh, you know, unhinged and he starts to truly believe it. And as the audience, you really believe it too. I mean, there's not much to it. And they even start to target his wife and all sorts of things like that. And uh, they, they point out a lot of interesting things in the uh, special features. Like, there is an attempted rape on the wife by the kids, but then there's also a, a graphic sex scene, pretty much a rape with between mother, I meant between mother, Jesus between a husband and wife so like it's just a strange kind of idea right here and uh, the way the movie ends seems very realistic uh, the bureaucracy and people just not wanting they want to look, turn a blind eye but uh, there's also a major hierarchy within like the group of kids and how they operate and how everything works and uh, it's really kind of an interesting film to look at kind of nothing quite like it that I've seen uh, just a really dark kind of bizarre drama that has some dark comedy quality to it I would recommend this for sure I think it is a good film I think it's a unique film, uh, and I know that this is one that that has been referenced, and it seems like it's just kind of like a staple that I kind of missed out on. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely got cult written all over, and it's definitely got a bunch of interesting concepts about it as well. Sorry about that. That's the door. But uh, as far as the special features are concerned, we have uh, brand new audio commentary by Sean Hogan and Kim Newman. Brand new appreciation by critic, broadcaster, and cultural historian Matthew Sweet. Unman, uh, Turhud, Lib Strub, and Miss, uh, Mrs. Ebony feature it with cast members Michael Howe, Michael Cashman, James War- Roper, and Carolyn Seymour looking back at the production. That's pretty cool. They talk about working on it, working with David Hemmings. He's a very intense actor to work with. The original 1958 recording of Giles Cooper's radio play, original trailer, image gallery, done double-sided fold-out poster featuring original newly commissioned artwork by eric adrian lee reversible sleeve featuring original newly commissioned artwork by eric adrian lee illustrated collector's book featuring new writing on the film by kevin lyons and oliver wake so really interesting film i would recommend it don't sleep on this one i had never really heard much about it but i was glad i watched it and it fits in that kind of thing that i would be definitely interested in Okay, the next one up is New Fist of Fury. Uh, Of course, this has Jackie Chan in there. How could you go wrong with Jackie Chan? Um, And, you know, Fist of Fury originally had Bruce Lee in it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, like, an aficionado on Bruce Lee. I know like some Shaw Brother horror films. I watched a bunch of Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest and things like that, and a lot some martial arts films. But I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know much about Bruce Lee. You know, I should watch a lot of his films. I know that's terrible. I bought box sets, but I don't know. I, I've never seen the original Fist of Fury. So the new Fist of Fury, I can kind of go basically just on the plot and what it stands as as this film is concerned. So um, it, it's a lot like a lot of other films in the aspect it's a period piece martial arts film where you have a group of people that are opposing Japan. They're more Chinese sympathizers, and this time it takes plays in Taiwan, which, you know, obviously is going to kind of resonate here, right? So we have these Chinese uh, martial artists that are upset that Japan is taking over Taiwan. It originally opens in China where uh, these these people are Chinese and they're, they're moving to Taiwan to kind of counter and uh, kind of go against you know, Japan, of course. So the guy who runs uh, the Japan area in Taiwan, the basically the, the tyrant here, he has called all the martial arts schools together and he wants to take them all over. They must have his name. Now some of the schools kind of bow down to him and suck up to him like Like kind of like roaches or rats. But others kind of stand up to him, but with no avail. But these new kind of students coming from China, they're just kind of badasses and they're really tough. But Jackie Chan, who lives there, who has lived there for a longer period of time, is kind of like the town scoundrel. And uh, he's kind of like doesn't really want to get involved. He hates the Japanese, and he thinks what they're doing is awful, but he doesn't really want to devote himself to martial arts for a particular reason. But of course, you know, eventually he's going to bend to that, and he's going to be the savior of this, and lead this kind of, this this triumph against the Japanese. Um, the fighting's great. Uh, the, the schools are really cool, in and interesting way. There's a lot of politics. The main villain, the Japanese guy, is built, and there's a great fight scene where a bunch of assassins try to attack him in kind of like a bathhouse area where he's showering. It's a really good scene, um, really good fight stuff. But the end of this movie is really what kind of caught me off guard. I was watching it and I was like, ah, no, no. I was like, we're ending like that wow, the 70s didn't take any prisoners and they sure didn't in the, the Hong Kong or the action uh, martial arts films either. That was brutal and uh, just very abrupt and very crazy and very just unique and I, I loved it. You know, I mean Boxer from Shang Tuong is kind of a dark downbeat ending and a lot of the martial arts films have it, but this one, it just came out there man and it was it was ballsy. It was really ballsy really intense. I love Jackie Chan you know, seeing a lot of his earlier stuff has always been a treat I'm watching a lot of the Shaw Brothers or Golden Harvest or martial arts films that are early on that Errol's been putting out in 88 films. is really cool to see a lot of these actors in different roles, you know, get to see Jet Li in some earlier stuff, and, and uh, Jackie Chan, and uh, then even stuff like Danny Lee in uh, The Mighty Peking Man, which is cool. But uh, yeah, this one is really entertaining. Uh, there's a female badass martial artist here that I believe is in the original film, and there's a cool special feature on here that kind of compares the kind of official, unofficial sequels of Fist of Fury. So here we go here. We have a high-definition Blu-ray transfer of the 120-minute original theatrical cut and the 82-minute 1980 re-release cut. Original Mandarin English lossless audio... Uh, for the theatrical cut, plus new uncovered alternate Mandarin and Cantonese mono audio. Original Cantonese and English lossless mono for the re-release cut. Newly translated optional English subtitles, new feature commentary on theatrical cut by martial arts experts Frank Jin and Michael Worth, co-producers of the Enter the Clones of Bruce Lee. New feature at, uh, commentary on the re-release cut by action experts Brandon Bentley. New Fist uh, Part 2, a new video essay by Bentley comparing New Fist of Fury to the rival sequel made simultaneously Fist of Fury Part 2. Trailer gallery including a Chen Zin trailer reel of sequels and reboots, Image Gallery Double-Sided love poster, of course, and uh, there's also a collector's uh, booklet in here as well. So I enjoyed this one. I thought it looked good. I thought it was solid. Kind of a typical story that I've seen, of course. You know, the Chinese versus Japanese story arc, and those are very popular. Um, usually they crowd in a lot of good villains. This one has a handful of um, really good stuff. And There's a couple of really cool characters in here. The end stuff is really intense because people are jumping in and fighting just whooping ass. And also the Japanese guy has like a badass daughter who's killing people left and right. So yeah, I would recommend New Fist of Fury if you like martial arts maybe you missed out or you're a fan of early Jackie Chan stuff, it's good. Okay, the next one here is... this is a bizarre one. This is uh, Journey into the Beyond. And this is a Mondo film with the voices, uh, the voice talent of John Carradine. Gotta love John Carradine. I absolutely adore him. He's got a great voice, of course. You know, he's written stuff like early John Wayne movies, uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, all the way up until, you know, the uh, some some cheesy cheap horror movies like, you know, Frankenstein Island. John Carradine got around. Okay? So, Journey into the Beyond. Now, I know people are saying, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Mondo films, but this one was actually Uh, released 1975 I had to double check it is before Faces of Death I think Faces of Death was 1978 now if you look back you have Mondo films like Mondo Connie Mondo Magic all the kind of uh, Jane Mansfield Mondo movies there's a slew of Mondo films all bizarre and different Cannibal Holocaust is inspired by Mondo films so this one Journey into the Beyond uh, has a great kind of cheesy gimmick where it's like we're going to show you something awful, and every time you hear this sound, it's awful. It's not for the squeamish, but then you hear the chimes. You can come back and look at the film. It, it does that. It's very cheap uh, and very gimmicky, you know, William Castle style, but this one kind of follows these bizarre rituals of religion and black magic and, you know, life and death and parapsychology, which I guess is a Mondo kind of subject I haven't seen. Now, of course, a lot of it is crap. A lot of the people involved, I doubt, are real scientists. You know, I it's so hard to, you got to take a the Mondo films with a grain of salt and then when you look at stuff like you know um of course, the uh, the uh, mondo Connie, you know, it's all kind of staged and whatnot. And journey beyond into um a journey into the beyond. I'm sorry, there's so many. There's journey into fear, which uh, has um you know Vincent Price and Donald pleasant's in it, Nina McShane, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like I'm getting confused on a lot of these. So journey into the beyond. Now, like I don't think it's as good or as interesting as Faces of Death because I think Faces of Death was just kind of that special moment at time. I think um and also it just kind of has the infamy. Now journey into the beyond, I think is probably. A a little bit less offensive, probably by much more. John Carden's got a great voice. And some of the things they say are a little little out there, and they have like experts and scientists on it. There's not too much I can go into in detail about this, but I enjoyed it for what it was. It was one of the easier to watch Mondo films. Either some of them are really disturbing or disgusting, or some just great on my nerves. Like, you know, I'm just like, these are just so shoddily made that it's so obviously fake stage crap. Especially nowadays when you have all the reality shows, you can really spot fake stage crap. So this one, not so much. I mean, it's better in Faces of Death, too, right? <laughs> That's not a great one from 1981. But uh, yeah, there's some special features on here as well. Um, they bo- uh, they're both kind of like just uh, like deleted scenes that are put back. You can watch them. And they're pretty neat, I guess, to see for completist only. So this is all right. Uh, I mean, there's still some really fake shoddy bullshit. But hey, it is it's all right. It is what it is. It's very much a product of its time. On the front here, exorcisms, barehanded surgery, levitation, voodoo, torture. It's all in here. They do not lie. Is it real? It's for you to decide. Okay, we have one from Mondo Macabro, and that's right, my man Paul Nashi directed this one in the late 80s, but it wasn't released till what, '93 90, they say on here. And this is Night of the Executioner. And this is why Mondo Macabro is doing the Lord's work, because I'm not going to lie to you, I, a lot of times you see these Paul Nashi movies you never think they're going to get a release. The people from Nashi cast doing the commentary on here were like, we never thought this or Hollow the Devil were ever going to get a release, but there's Mondo there. Mondo puts out so much stuff and does such a great job remastering it uh, with the elements that they have and then putting them out it's always very impressive. So, Night of the Executioner, this is the last film that Paul Nashie directed that was released. Now they talk about a, a terror at the Wax Museum that was never released, never never completed maybe, lost, whatever, we don't know. But uh, this is Paul Nashie's answer to Death Wish, which I fucking love because I'm a huge Nashie fan. I'm, in a huge, I'm, a, I'm a big Nashie fan, but I'm a huge Death Wish fan, and they talk about how Nashie really liked Charles Bronson, which makes me like Nashie more because I love Charles Bronson. So, Nashie is kind of an upper middle class guy, and during the time in Spain, they said in the late 80s, there was a lot lot of muggings a lot of robberies and it's kind of fun and interesting to see america's answer to the vigilante movie spain's answer to the vigilante movie and of course italy's answer to the vigilante movie with the years of lead stuff like that so it's so interesting to watch the different countries takes on vigilanteism um i mean nowadays of course they're immediately dated and people could kind of walk away with a uh, with a bad taste in their mouth which i don't think all the movies were really designed to do at the end of the day they are films and i don't think a lot of them they were maybe saying a message or people are frustrated or it's cathartic for people i don't think that these movies are really a sign of fascism necessarily if that makes any sense for people and i know that a lot of times that people would say they are Okay, but it is a different time and a different place. And, you know, sometimes, you know, making a movie like this is is a little different in different countries and everything like that. So, Nashi made this in the the late 80s, early 90s, and it was hard to get the funding. And they say it was probably like $150,000 is what the Nashi cast guys said. So, Paul Nashi's upper middle class, and uh, one day this group of thugs kind of spots him and his daughter and his wife. And they're like these crazy, drugged-out, heroin addict punk rockers, and they don't really match. They're really bizarre. It's your typical kind of gang from this time period, right? They're kind of like Class of 1984. They're kind of like Death Wish 2. They're kind of all over the place. So they end up attacking his family. There's five of them. Um, there's even a girl that's like dancing and enjoying the scene as they rape the wife and strangle her in a really brutal, horrible scene. Uh, is that the daughter? Either way, both of them. I think it's the daughter. is is, is a really horrible rape scene, to be honest. And Nashi can't do anything. He's been beaten. They cut his tongue out. And uh, so the rest of the movie, Nashi is silent. He survives. He's a surgeon. And he immediately dedicates his life to taking these thugs out. One of in the meantime, he goes out and he kills bad guys a la Charles Bronson as well. So yeah, this is a lot of fun. Of course, there's a, a kind of a bigger henchman behind the scenes called Cobra or something. And he's like just weird kind of almost like, I don't know if you call him a Punisher or James Bond villain, kind of meet in the middle, really grody kind of guy. And he's, he's always masked me as like asthma and the oxygen mask, always doing weird sexual things. Of course, the reveal of him is pretty obvious, but there's also a couple other characters like a social worker that kind of starts to like realize that she may be wrong, right? They even go that far in here. And, and there's like, a friend of the family that wants to help Nashi out but there's a lot of giant squibs when people get shot they they explode explosive bullets is a lot of fun the bad guys are ruthless man these bad guys were horrible like i was thinking like having flashbacks to robocop how bad they and mean-spirited they were to class 84 this is a great villain group her vengeance those bad guys were particularly nasty these bad guys could could land themselves in like um a Hong Kong film as a gang, like The Beast, or even um, what is the one that I watched recently that was just, a, they are just horrible villains. Her Vengeance, like I said, was one. Oh, Hunting, Hunting Grounds by uh, Jorge Krau is another Mondo Macabro put out, and those villains were particularly nasty, and this is kind of in the same vein as a, kind of your revenger, um, uh, I guess they say, revenge some people say, uh, if you listen to Quentin Tarantino's podcast, revenge Hunting Grounds. And this one, I think, too, this is more low budget, but uh, I love Nashi and is a great workout scene because he was a power lifter so he's like doing all this power lifting shit and doing squats and doing the real weights. Um, always 100% from Paul Naschy. Um, a very interesting filmmaker and just one of the ones that truly love film. And it shows. It really does. As far as the special features are concerned, we have uh, audio commentary by the Naschy cast, which I love. Interview with Sergio Molina, his son. Talks about working with his dad on this one. He actually worked on this film. Interview with actor Pepe Ruiz. Interview with actor Emmanuel Zarzo. So very good stuff. I enjoyed this. Thoroughly recommended. Night of the Executioner. Love Nashy stuff. Love Mondo Macabro. Check it out for sure. Okay, next up, you know what? I was going to do this one, but we're going to do this one because it matches a little bit more. We got another kind of, uh, uh, I guess, that one's Spanish. This one's Mexican. I know different country, but kind of some of the same flavor, I guess you could put. And this is The Demon Rat. And this is directed by, oh, don't, don't, Ruben Galeno Jr. And if you guys know Ruben Galeno Jr., he did a handful of uh, horror films, three of them, which uh, Vinegar Syndrome put up previously to this. This is Demon Rat. This is The Vinegar Syndrome Archive, 1992. So the other ones are, of course, Grave Robbers, Cemetery of Terror, and don't panic. Now, Cemetery Tear and Grave Robbers, I adore. Don't panic is a lot of fun, so I was very excited to watch Demon Rat. Right, and I think this was in an old box set from, uh, uh you know, the BCI collection that uh, Crypt Tears or whatever. So I popped this in, and it's in a post-apocalyptic world. Everybody has smog all over the place. Everybody's wearing oxygen masks, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be pretty intense. And it's about a mutated rat. Is this of unknown origin during the the pre-apocalypse? I'm in. I am in. So, uh, a- anyways, it's a little ahead of its time with the pollution and shit, you know we just had all those wildfires in Canada coming down to America and just people were just horrible. It was horrible to breathe. So uh, almost for everybody in the Midwest and New York and all that shit. So uh, basically uh, this uh, this character, this kid, uh, they're teachers. It follows two teachers and they're kind of having a love thing and this guy, this one woman has a husband that he wants. she wants to divorce that stole her father's kind of chemical company away from her and this guy's a real piece of work. He's been polluting and dumping chemicals when he shouldn't. Everybody has to wear these gas masks out in public and they have these weird kind of mechanisms that suck the poison out when you walk into a room. So what happens is... Anyways, uh, they kind of realize that this guy running this company has been polluting in the wrong places. There's giant flies down by the river and there is a giant mutated rat within this poor woman's house. And at first you think, uh, you see the rat in the corner and it's kind of looks like, you know, they took like a a speed car or whatever and like the toy cars that you have mole control cars and put like a rat suit on it. You're like, oh, that's cute. That's a big rat. And then before long, the rat is just the guy in a suit running around like it's Rat Man or something. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. There's not enough Rat Man in this movie though. Not enough demon rat if you will so uh the demon rat does kill a couple of people it kills a dog the dog death i mean the aftermath's pretty gross but besides that it's a lot of melodramatic stuff a lot of talking a lot not much in action at the very end there's some there's some fight scenes the demon rat does do some work but overall it's just kind of lackluster and a little 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 disappointing when you compare his other three films grave robbers and cemetery of terror are like chef's kiss and don't panic is just a bonkers weird bizarre thing um and this one is just it's just mediocre And it's not horrible. It's just not great. I did appreciate the interview with Ruben Galeno Jr. on the desk because he talks about, you know, the environment, all that stuff. And he's talking about, you know, I thought it'd be worse off now than it is. Maybe, you know, all this kind of stuff. He's an interesting guy, intelligent guy. And I like his movies. He has a couple more horror movies that never had really kind of releases in the States. Like, uh, I can't think of their name. Um, One of them you, you can watch on YouTube um the other one you know you have to go around there's not really subtitles for them so unless you speak spanish or you know it's going to be difficult but demon rat from vc vsa so if you got to see all the demon killer rat movies and demon rat might be up your alley i would prefer rat man which is getting released by culture films on blu-ray so get that the next one here is from terror Vision. that's right and no not terror Vision the movie it's not released in other movies Okay, the next one here is from Terrorvision. That's right, and this is a John McBride movie. This is Cannibal Camp Out. Now, this was originally put out by what? I used to have the old DVD, a bunch of those DVDs, Camp Motion Pictures, and I never saw, I never watched Cannibal Camp Out. Yes, I know. I watched Lunch Meat, which I think is a, a movie that was edited on tape, shot on film, edited on tape, and it's kind of your kind of backwoods kind of horror film, and this one is not kind of a similar vein to Lunch Meat or a Texas Chainsaw or something like that. Um, it is SOV, right? And a very popular S O B along with Woodchipper Massacre, or the director's other film um, but yeah this is one of the kind of quintessential sov movies that a lot of people talked about A sought after vhs and just a lot of fun i'm glad i finally watched it Terrorvision, you know um they're putting out a lot of interesting stuff i actually have some other movies i picked up from them that i'll talk about that i've just you know in the update but i haven't got a chance to watch but uh cannibal camp out 1988 is when it was released um yeah so here we go. It's a very typical Backwoods kind of film, but it's done in a shot of a kind of unique way, very regional, very kind of charming in that aspect that these people are just coming together to make a film and that, you know, the the internet's not everywhere. Not everybody knows every reference point to every movie. So you know what? They probably have a couple favorite horror films. They went out and kind of inspired by that and they wanted to make a movie for the home video market. Boom, you get Cannibal Camp out. You get a lot of films that, you know, are are less self-aware and seem more genuine and less, uh, you know, sarcastic and just. Uh, you know, really, you know, a lot of movies nowadays seem so trying to fail, like celebrating failure, or for the fact that they're just so uh, jaded and everything. Cannibal Campout is not that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So the music's really fun. Like and even one point, the group driving to camp sings that song that plays at the very end. Love that. Um, there's some other stuff in here too. Like the music will be like like somebody will get brutally murdered. Then it will cut to like a scene where it's like romantic, and it'll play like romantic scenes and hard cuts. And you're like, what the what the fuck was that? But uh, so there's like a group of four going out, and uh, right in the middle of the road. In the beginning, you realize that this place, this town they're going to, is, is going to be bad news because a jogger is killed and eaten. So they're driving, and somebody's going really slow in front of them, and they kind of get into an altercation with these two kind of like backwoods kind of guys. And one of them is so ridiculous. One kind of keeps a regular voice like, shut up! And he has a unibrow kind of going on. The other one is just so ridiculous. There's points where he's like, it's a small world! And the camera's just on him for like five fucking minutes as this guy like silicoises or just like improvs for like 10 minutes. He is definitely the highlight of the movie. God knows what he's doing. He kind of reminds me of the guy from Killing Spree. What the fuck is it? Asbestos felt. He reminds me of that. Kind of just bizarre off the wall blockers performance. I think this does share a lot of DNA with something like Long Island Cannibal Massacre by Nathan Skiff from 1980. But I prefer Cannibal Camp out much better. You know, they both have a regional cannibal kind of quality about them. But this one is just fun. It's just goofy and weird. And like, it squeezes in nudity at times. And it's gory like the actual kills when they happen I'm like that looks pretty good the throat slits the blood the aftermath the machetes in the head the guts the gut munching it's downbeat. it's gross it's goofy it's fun it's regional it's entertaining it's short it's fast paced I mean it's not completely well made or well edited but you can tell when they edit these things they don't have much choice they have to cut when they can cut so they can get as close as they fucking can not everything always works out well but for the most part I really liked cannibal camp out would I recommend it yes I would Um, this is one of my favorite SOVs now, you know what I mean? And I like a decent amount of SOVs. I, I'm looking forward to them putting out some more. Um, you know, I like stuff like, of course, Video Violence and Redneck Zombies and Burning Moon and Shattered Dead. Um, there's a lot of great SOVs, Savage Harvest. A lot of the early Eric Stanzi stuff is great. Tempe stuff is great. So as far as the special features are concerned, we have commentary with John McBride. Wackademic commentary on SOV with Zach Carlson and TerraVision's Brad Henderson. Shock Tale Hour with Aurora uh, Gorelis Presents. Cannibal out horror hosted version friends don't let friends eat friends and making of documentary very funny I watched a bit of that baking with the homicidal homemaker cannibal camp out edition photo gallery deleted scenes cannibal camp out trailers raw gore footage the latimers cannibal camp out music video john mcbride appearance on the rice kennedy show hopefully we get wood chipper massacre we get splatter farm that would be great um, did they put out splatter farm I'm trying to think what Terrorvisions put out I picked up a couple and I know they put out video violence but anyways uh, it's got a nice slip cover great cover art too very memorable check it out if you love sob it's a must it's a must all right guys let's get into those 1981 movies woe
1: be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell because through that gateway evil will invade the world live on and on and no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago In this little town when the 14th comes round there's a silence and fear in the air Remember the morn that the legend was born All the shock and the horror was there Oh, the legend they say on a Valentine's Day Is a curse that'll live on and on And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago And no one will know as the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago
0: And the first one up is gonna be Kung Fu Zombie. And now, Kung Fu Zombie, I'm going to be very quick with it. It's a very goofy, very silly Hong Kong flick. Um, it's bizarre. It's a English dubbed, and everything's like sped up. So, like, the fights are fun and cool, but everything's sped up like people walking, people fighting. Everything's ridiculous. It's like an hour and 17 minutes, and they slowed it down. Somebody made a joke on Letterboxd, it'd be like three hours. Maybe it would. But uh, for the most part, here's what we have we have uh, kind of this master who has a heart ailment. He's an asshole. He's a jerk. He has a young son who's supposed to be learning from him. He's also a jerk and an asshole. Then we have Kind of another guy that's friends with them that calls the guy master and I can't remember exactly what unfolds here but um one day they send somebody to kill the young kid and he's a badass and he takes him out he kills this guy. Um, this guy does not want to go silently into the night, um, and he has a friend who's a shaman who helped him out try to attack him by using zombies. Now, he kind of, as a ghost, kind of commands the shaman, brings him back to life, and a lot of comedy gags ensue with that aspect. Um, so what happens is he tries to put him in a body. Um, at the same time, this guy's dad has died, so he puts him in his dad's body, but the spell is fucked up because two goons that were, were following this guy try to stop it. Now this guy is trapped in the dad's body, but nothing's right. He's not correct. He's kind of goofy and weird, half ghost, half zombie, whatever the hell he is. At the same time, there is an evil kind of guy who as uh, is- Dedicated his entire life to killing this master, and now he wants to kill the master's son. He is actually killed as well. But um, during the ceremony, when they're trying to originally bring back the uh, one guy, they bring him back, and he's real vicious and real evil, and he wants to kill whoever he comes in contact with. He's almost like a vampire-style character where he sucks blood. There's not that much horror or gore. There is zombies. There is kind of vampire-style characters. Towards the end, it kind of picks up the pace a little bit. Is it great? No. Is it entertaining? Yes. Is it goofy? Absolutely. Is it as good as something like Mr. Vampire or Spooky Encounter? Counter. no i would probably pick those instead would you would i watch this again on a blu-ray or yeah i would i would definitely give it its time and day and check it out again it's fun it's quick it's goofy it's silly it's kung fu zombie how could you not like it next up is more of an exploitation flick it made the section three video nasty list and i don't know if i can show the cover here these are some pretty graphic breasts this is mad foxes this is a blu-ray import from germany um yeah this movie is fucking ridiculous This is one of the most ridiculous films I have ever seen. And that says something. 81, of course. Oh, boy. And the dub doesn't help. The English dub is so over the top and so ridiculous it makes everything goofy and silly. There's a lot of rape. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of stupidity in this fucking movie. Worst dubbing ever, I would say. Uh, worst dubbing on accident ever. So the lead in here is actually the guy from Hell of the Living Dead. So you know it's quality, right? The main soldier. And uh, he basically is on this date with this girl. Some guys piss him off, this biker gang, and he kind of swerves, and one guy crashes and dies. They're pissed off about it, so they end up kind of following this guy down and raping his virgin girlfriend in a really graphic, nasty way. There's even blood, but it's all kind of played somewhat for laughs, so it's really gross. They're Nazis. This guy's angry about it. This girlfriend pretty much just appears from the picture. I don't remember if she died or what the hell's happened because it's so crazy and over the top. He goes there and he cuts off the penis uh, with, with some Kung Fu friends. He goes there and cuts off the penis of the gang leader. Um, this causes the gang to retaliate against the Kung Fu guys in a brutal, violent fucking way with a lot of weapons. And it keeps escalating. This for that, this for that. And more innocent bystanders get involved and get killed at this guy's family. Some poor woman gets shot in the forehead in a wheelchair. I'm spoiling the shit out of this. She flies back. I laughed out loud wow, this movie is so weird and so bizarre and so, it, it seems like it would be like a parody now, like one of those movies that comes out where it's like an Astron 6, like parody of an action film. This feels like it is that. Mad Foxes is, is so over the top and weird and shoddily done, but entertainingly done that I feel like it has to almost be fake, but it's real. Um, Mad Foxes is a movie that you don't think is, it, you would be like, that's not real. That's not a real movie, but it is. The bad guys are are cheap, ridiculous. The ending is hilarious. Uh, There's a lot of action, a lot of gore, a lot of nudity, a lot of sleaze. This is insane. It is Mad Foxes. It looks good and sounds good. It would be really cool. If they would actually put this on, like, Blu-ray in the States for Vinegar Syndrome or one of the sub-labels or something like that. Because, like, this is not particularly easy to get. I think this Blu-ray is probably out of print and it probably goes for ridiculous-ass prices, which is unfortunate. But try to find it. I know there's a DVD stateside, uh, maybe for Full Moon, but try to find the Blu-ray because it looks pretty good. Okay, next up, guys, is going to be from Jess Franco. That's right. Uh, No, actually, John Roland. Jess Frankel produced this movie. He didn't want to finish it, so John Roland stepped in. Second movie of the year for John Roland after The Escapees, and this is Zombie Lake. This is a keynote release. Yes, guys, you love Zombie Lake. Who doesn't? This is a movie that uh, I always like watch part of and never finish. This is a movie I rented as a kid and had my grandpa record, and he said, you know what? Maybe you don't want to show let Dave see that at age 10, 11, because there's a bunch of nudity right in the beginning, yada, yada, yada. Thanks for selling me out, Grandpa. But uh, anyways, uh, so this is a, a movie that I always considered a pile of crap. And, and then rewatching it, I was like, I like this. I don't know what was, you know, I always was harder on it than I than I should have been. Back in the day, they were always like, this. there's like four zombie, Nazi zombie movies, and they all suck, except Shockwaves. There was Oasis of Zombies, Zombie Leg, Night of the Zombies, not to be confused with Hell of the Living Dead, and Shockwaves. Now, Design Zombies, I can attest to sucks. Oasis of Zombies, I remember sucking. That's by Jess Franco. Like Shockwaves by Ked Wienerhorn. And then we have this one by John Rolland. And this is a French film. It has Howard Vernon in it, and probably a couple other familiars um, that will pop up in other things. John Rowland actually has a small role as, as, as a cop. So uh, what we have here is this girl is swimming in the very beginning. She's not supposed to swim in this lake and she's completely skinny dips and you see everything and you can tell it jumps back between the lake and the underground swimming pool, pool, whatever camera. So this Nazi zombie's trying to grab her. They must have saw zombie a year pre a couple years previous and he's trying to grab her and then they end up killing this poor girl. She disappears. Uh, Howard Vernon's the mayor. If Howard Vernon's your mayor, leave town. Skip town. I love Howard Vernon, but he's he's scary. You don't want him your mayor. You know what I mean? So what happens is... Uh, basically he's like I'll keep an eye on it. if not she doesn't come back to the next table called the authorities of course of course of course the Nazi zombies keep causing problems uh, Antonio Mayans is actually one of the Nazi zombies I noticed that with a bad eye um, so basically the Nazi zombies kind of run amok we realize there's a backstory that these Nazis were killed in this French town and thrown in the lake one of them was in love and had a had a daughter and he's kind of coming back and has like obviously tries to give her the necklace and the bracelet and all that um, there's a crazy scene where a, a group of like basketball player girls stop by and they all New to go skinny dipping. That was really entertaining. You know, Gian Rolan was not one for gratuitous violence, but he put it in there when he had to. He's more into the sex and softcore and nudity, all that. So it's crammed in there as much as possible. It's entertaining. You can tell sometimes, like the outside footage they shot and then the inside footage, or like the pool stuff, is just clearly shot at a different time with different actors and everything like that. But what can one complain about Zombie Lake? Much better than I remembered. I was entertained by it, and I didn't expect to even like it. Um, so yeah, uh, alternate English. Type sequence alternate less explicit versions of two sequences and then um, that's pretty much what we have here uh yeah anyways if you like john Roland and Jess franco making a movie together then check out zombie like awful cover they should have used the original cover i like it much better but i enjoyed this i thought it was okay it's not perfect it's not shockwaves good it's not you know dead snow good but it's 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 better than night of the zombies the other nazi zombie one from 81 much better Okay, the next one up here, guys, is from 1981 as well. And this is Day of the Triffids. And this is the BBC uh, six-episode miniseries. Now, they made a movie in the 60s, and there was a book written, I think, in the 50s, before Body Snatchers, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I was really interested in watching this miniseries. Uh, Yeah, so I love the uh, 60s movie. I don't love it, but I like it. And I love Killer Plants, but I love post-apocalyptic stuff. Watching this, I love this thing. This is six episodes. It's like two hours and 19 minutes. But in reality, you cut out the opening credits. You cut out the kind of like carryover from the previous episode and the opening of the next episode. You can get it down to like two, two, two 10. Um, So what we have here is a post-apocalyptic story and they say it's sci-fi and, and I like kind of drama. This is a horror film, man. This is scary shit. So if you guys don't know the story of Dave of the Triffids, um, one day, essentially, these kind of three awful things all happen at once in this film. Um, so there's a, a kind of a comet. There's a guy in bed, and it's very much like 28 Days Later. In fact, 28 Days Later stole the entire structure and a lot of the feeling and gloominess and isolation directly from this miniseries, almost verbatim. I love 28 Days Later, but man, man. Day of the Dead took some from this too, but mostly 28 Days Later took from Day of the Triffids and Day of the Dead. I feel like it really did. So um, essentially what we have here is, it does remind me of Threads too, because just English people at the kind of post-apocalyptic kind of element in there. So a meteor comes through, also reminds me of Night of the Comet, guys, right? Uh, this guy's uh, blind. I'm going on. I keep trying to start this sentence over and over again. He's, he's in bed, and he, there's these things called triffids, and he kind of tells a story about the triffids and what they were. There's these plants that just suddenly appeared out of nowhere, and uh, it's a really kind of a giant plant. They're all around the world. And he's the first one ever stung by one as a kid. And you realize that these triffids can sting you. And before long, they, they, they produce an oil that people love. They love this oil. It's kind of a manufactured plant. And the oil that they give, people are very hot for. So they have farms. You realize that the triffids are dangerous. Uh, and They do eat people. They'll eat whatever they can get a hold of. Um, and they sting you. They paralyze you. And some of that causes blindness. So this guy's in bed. He's, this is the second time he's been stung. He works on a triffid farm. And he's an adult now. And he's telling all the story here. And he's blind. But everyone who's not blind kind of goes out and there's supposed to be this comet shower to check out. And this is where it reminds me of the movie from 1976 called People Who Own the Dark, the Spanish film, with Paul Nash, an excellent, excellent post-apocalyptic kind of crazy movie about these people that witness this kind of like uh, something, and they all go blind. And the, the only people not blind in the area are these rich people, so everybody kind of converses on them like zombies. So essentially, everyone completely goes blind here. I know there's a movie called Blindness that came out in a similar vein that looks at the comet. Night of the Comet's in a, a similar vein, too, right? So they all go blind. This guy is one of the only ones with sight. And before long, all these people start to panic and lose their minds in England. And anyone with sight becomes kind of a higher thing here. And they're trying to grab them up. So all the people who have sight kind of try to locate to one area. And there's a group that wants to survive. And uh, the triffits start to become a problem. Now, the people become a problem at first. There's a group that uh, wants to kidnap people and force them to help the blind people. There's crazy punks going around and just horrible people at the same time. So, like, you see the real isolation and desperation and post-apocalyptic nature of of kind of the end of civilization. And, like, so he's leading these blind people around because he's been captured and he has a love interest that's been separated from him. So, like, as you keep going on and on, like, shit gets worse and worse until, like, kind of the Triffids kind of come in. And they're easy pickings. They're fucking blind. So they're stinging and lashing out and eating these people and it's just they, the plants can move so it's really interesting concept and at the same time some sort of plague kind of happens because the people have no means to take care of themselves so it's just like the end of the world kind of story and it progressively gets worse and the final final episode here is them in uh, basically t- 10 years later kind of trying to survive and everything and you see the different factions of the government popping up and and what a go- new government and how people are going to feel about certain things it's a really excellent movie I would really recommend checking out Day of the is it's, just, it's uh, BBC it's a region locked but you check it out and pre-order it's not very expensive highly recommended a great movie from 1981 um, miniseries Uh, just excellent well acted gloomy dark um, and dangerous scary that it's scary and weird and different i love it and it's a post-apocalyptic story that predates a lot of the other ones being written in the 50s so good stuff Okay, and the Patreon pick was, I believe, Jim Simon. I, I think he would give me something like this. And I love this movie. Maybe it's Chris Rivers. And this is 1971's or 70 Kelly's Heroes. Um, yeah, this is a great one starring, uh, it's kind of like your man on a mission movie, but it's a heist movie at the same time. It stars legendary, uh, legendary actors here. Clint Eastwood, Don Rickles, Telly Savalas, Donald Sutherland, Harry Dean Stanton, Carol O'Connor. Um, a bunch of other people are in here as well. Um, this is a movie that I grew up with. This is a movie that I loved ever since I was a little kid. Uh, Kelly's Heroes, The Dirty Dozen, The Great Escape. Those movies I watched on rotation all the time. These kind of 60s, early 70s kind of tough guy, man on a mission movies. I've been ups- I have been—I was obsessed with them ever since I was a kid. Kelly's Heroes won right from the opening. These guys, it's World War II. And Kelly is a lieutenant that's been busted down to a private, I think, or sergeant. Sergeant, um, which is kind of reminds me of Major Reisman, uh, and The Dirty Dozen, Lee Marvin's character. And what happens here is uh, they discover that uh, they, they kidnap this colonel, uh, this Nazi colonel. And he starts to enter, gets some drunk, and he starts to talk to him, and he realizes that there's a shipment of gold. That is going to be put in this bank at this time, and he has to give it. He wants to give the platoon to go for it. So he tells everyone about it under uh, Big Joe's, uh, you know, uh, under his nose. Telly Savalas as the the commanding kind of sergeant. He's excellent in this movie. He's he's wonderful, and he's perfect for the role. Just yelling at people, "Come on, let's go!" And I love his interactions with Donald Sutherland, who plays this tank sergeant. And uh, he's he's called Oddball, and he's just bizarre and says weird shit. And you see Telly Savalas' face, just be like. Just wants to say something. He's just like you, fucking nuts. Um, Don Rickles is also fucking perfect in this. Hilarious. His interactions with Telly Savalas getting back and forth are wonderful. But uh, he's basically a guy who gets supplies for everybody. So Clint Eastwood being like is, is like very sh- like tight lipped and everything. He's kind of like not not much dialogue. He's great in it too. He kind of goes and gets all these guys rounded up to go get this gold. And there's a bunch of other soldiers too, and they all have nicknames: Cowboy, uh, Harry Dean Stanton's in there, and uh, so they go on this mission and. Uh, Lesser's in here, too. Uh, and Carol O'Connor's is general that realizes that these guys have pushed past enemy lines and they're in the middle and, and way further uh, in Germany, uh, not in Germany, but in way further in the enemy territory than they thought. So he thinks they're heroes, even though they're just out there to steal some gold. It's really funny. So Carol O'Connor is just running around the battlefield congratulating people and all this. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but there is a sense of danger and characters do die. And it's sad. Um, the tank fight scene is excellent. I think it's way ahead of its time. It's really kind of intense. Reminds me, honestly, like, Saving Private Ryan probably was inspired by some of the tank battles here, man, on a mission movie. But, uh, no, the tank battles are great. Uh, everybody in here does their best. Uh, there's a lot of funny dialogue. I mean, I miss... I shouldn't say this. I miss kind of funny war movies or war movies that had a sense of humor because no matter how gloomy or dark it gets, man, somebody's always cracking a joke. Somebody will, or somebody's going to come across funny in their their time of, like, stress. It's the way it is. I know I shouldn't say shit like that, but, I mean, Dirty Dozen had humor in the first half, and The Great Escape has some, some kind of light moments, and so does Kelly's Heroes. Like, that's why it makes the Wild Bunch so those characters so likable. You laugh with them. You spend time with them. You, you laugh with your characters. When you laugh with your characters, you like them, even if they're bad guys, right? It's it's kind of a way that it's kind of a lost art. Like that 1917 movie, I like. I watched it. I liked it. I'll never watch that movie again. I'm never watching it again. It's fine. It's well made. It's a feat, but I just don't care for that kind of movie. I guess as I do, but as as in that kind of vein. Now I'm not talking about Come and See, which needs to be that movie to get its point across. And I think Come and See is a masterpiece. I will watch that several times. But that movie relies on that, and it uses that to an expert. Um, that glue that darkness it uses it in a way and it says something i'm not sure 1917 says anything now kelly's hero says a lot of things and it's fun and it's entertaining i don't know how deep it is but it's just saying things that are fun and entertaining i love the movie and again it has a bunch of actors i love from clint eastwood telly Savalas, don rickles donald sutherland all great all great harry dean Stanton, carol connor they're all great they all shine Everybody shines in this movie, Cowboy. Uh, they're just funny and excellent characters, and they're all memorable. And they have at the very end, they have that great kind of moment where they give everybody their little moment in the, the spotlight with their names and everything. They do that in the Dirty Dozen as well. They do it in Predator. It's just kind of I bring back credits like that. Uh, but anyways, I love the movie. and Glad somebody picked it. Finally, glad I got a chance to talk about Kelly's Heroes. Um, and of course, there is a small reference to Hogan's Heroes, which is a television show that was made previous to Kelly's Heroes, which I used to watch on television as well and liked it. I'm a bigger Kelly's Heroes fan and i love the song burning bridges um that opens the movie all oh, the burning bridges that uh, the song was stuck in my head for years absolutely love the movie love the music um great stuff check it out if you haven't seen kelly's heroes if it sounds like it's up your alley questions comments concerns all that jazz uh darina in 1869 always looking forward to wednesday morning when i get to view your new uploads very knowledgeable of the films actors directors thanks for sharing your insight to movie titles that are unknown to me Thank you for watching. Um, Film Wolf 4078. Hey Dave, don't put, be put off by Bloodhook. The Giallo needs to come back, so push on with your cicada Giallo idea. Sounds intriguing. Deadcom from 1989 is also a great thriller genre picture with Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman, terrorized on a boat by Billy Zane. I've heard of it, never actually seen Deadcom. I, I will watch it definitely before or when I get to 1989. Um, Stephen Hyde, I love your channel. Great job. Thank you. Uh, Nick Nick Mua also second and he says glad to hear you're on the men sir I hope my money problems will disappear soon as well demon rat sure looks like a hoot even though rodents creep me out their large teeth and twitchy faces have always made me shudder a little still this film looks like a fun watch question which rodent movie made you feel uncomfortable for me it's the original Willard hands down though no, the remake isn't bad at all mm, I don't know if any really make me uncomfortable I don't like in the original Willard when he looks like he's really drowning those rats food of the gods there we go it feels like they're killing rats for real that always fucking made me uncomfortable We movie lovers aren't afraid to double dip when it comes to home media. Anything in particular you can't wait to buy again. I love a 4K Day of the Dead. Please, 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 please want to buy a 4K. Um, If you were paid loads of money to review flicks, would you be tempted to give nothing but five-star reviews? No, I mean, you got to be honest. I try to be fair, but you got to be honest. Sometimes I'm probably biased on accident or subconsciously it happens. Um, Catch you next week. Uh, Meow meow to the cats for me. Okay. Movie Junkie uh, Reviews 84. I really like the Omen Trilogy, even the 2016 series Damien. It's uh, wild. We're getting a prequel. Ken Coakley, I love the three Omen films. It was a real arc of the little boy who doesn't know who who he is as a teenager, then as an adult, and becomes a sinister character. Yeah, they're good movies. And the original film, David Warner had chemistry with Gregory Peck. Warner was originally cast in The Nightmare on Elm Street as Freddy Krueger of course um scheduling conflicts caused west Craven to hire robert england also the nanny and the omen was played by jack palance's daughter another genre actor lance hendrickson is a teacher of the military school who knows who damien's is and mentors him that's in the sequel um sam neill isn't it screen tested as james bond for the living daylights there's footage of it on youtube he was also starred in the movie with mel gibson and john philip law in 1982 called attack 4c which is on youtube for free and i recommend it i've actually reviewed attack 4c twice. So, no need to review, talk about Attack Force c anymore for me. But uh, I appreciate your information. Yeah, I love David Warner and The Omen. David Warner was one of my favorite actors growing up. Still love him. Waxwork, uh, Cross of Iron, so many good movies. Ballad of Cable, Hogue. Um, he's in a million fucking movies. He's always excellent. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, let's get into the update. It's a decent size one. Alright, let's hop into this update. It's kind of a decent sized one for once. Uh, first up is Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee on 4K. Uh, Good price, never seen this one I love Clockers um, But I've never seen this one So uh, I'm definitely going to check it out This is probably his most popular film But uh, yeah, look forward to seeing it Then we have uh, Nightbreed Collector's Edition on 4K I love Nightbreed Um, This is the theatrical version on 4K Which I prefer, you know, I grew up with it And I feel like the director's cut You know, obviously it's going to be a little patchy in places But Nightbreed is a wonderful movie Directed by Clive Barker Based off the uh, novel uh, Cabal Uh, Great movie David Cronenberg's in it of course and this has all the special features that that deluxe blu-ray set had so if you didn't ever pick it up, pick this one up you get uh, director's cut on blu-ray and you get that one on 4K on the theatrical, then next up is Rawhead Rex baby, directed by George uh, Pavlo uh, written the original story by Clive Barker he's not too big of a fan of this movie I enjoy it, it's on 4K, it's an absolute ridiculous kind of monster flick Uh, you know, yeah so I look forward to watching this in 4K, watching Rawhead Rex in style Another 4K, we have this from Kino. Burt Reynolds, The Longest Yard. I always watch this movie on TV a bunch of times. I don't know if I've ever saw it all the way from beginning to end, though. Great, wonderful cast. Burt Reynolds, Ed Lorder. Uh, there's so many people in here. Uh, Freaking Richard Keel is in here. The guy from um, geez, from Hard Times is in here. This is a great, wonderful cast. Uh, there's a bunch of other people, too, that I'll probably watch. Oh, that the crazy guy, too, from... Um, Geez, he's in everything from the Emperor of the North to Evil Speak. I can't think of his name. boss Um, Then we also have Hustle with Burt Reynolds. Uh, this is one directed by Robert Altridge anyways. I, I love Burt Reynolds. has a great cast. Is, who's in this? A bunch of people in this. Looks like Ernest Borgnine's in there. The cast is, is wonderful. Oh, is it Ben Johnson, Paul Winfield, Eddie Albert, Ernest Borgnine? Man, I can't wait to watch this one. Anyways, Hustle, Burt Reynolds, Catherine DeVoe as well. Then we have Heat with Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I went on a Burt Reynolds kick. If it's if it's from Kino and it has Burt Reynolds in it and I don't have it, there's a sale, I'm getting it. I'm buying up the Burt Reynolds, all right? So anyways, not not seeing this one either, but it uh, looks like a lot of fun. Can't go wrong with Burt. Always delivers. We have the special edition of Stone Cold. That's right. Brian Bosworth, uh, Football Players. This is a special edition. I have the Olive release, but this is supposed to be better. You got bad guys, Atlanta Hendricks and William Forsythe. He infiltrates a biker gang. He's a stone cold cop. It's been years since I watched this movie. Remember it being ridiculous? Should be fun. Um, then we have Haunted Honeymoon. It's about time I picked this one up. Gene Wilder, Gilda Radner, Dom Deluise. Now, I think I saw this years ago on TV or watched it. I never. I, I, I rented it. I don't remember it. And I know it was goofy and weird and bizarre. Is there like a scene where a guy's co- cut, taking his coat off a hundred times? Is this the right movie? But hey. And then we have The Sporting Club. This looks so bizarre and so weird. Um, it seemed like a comedy. It said it was a comedy but like looking at the cover and reading the description I was like, that doesn't sound fucking funny at all. It sounds disturbing. But maybe it's a dark comedy. Anyways, it looks really interesting. Not heard anyone talk about this one called The Sporting Club. And we have Eye of the Tiger with Gary Busey. you got to love it. This is a Steve Carver movie. I like his movies. They're very fun, very entertaining. I've got a slew of people in this one as well. Uh, Looks like a lot of fun. It is a Steve Carver movie. No, Richard Severian. No, so kind of close. Kind of different. He did The Vanishing, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's got a nice little cast in here. I I like uh, Gary Busey. Earlier the better, usually, for Gary Busey. Then we have the uh, Mercenary Fighters. I remember this cover art. I don't know if I've ever rented it. Um, But Peter Fonda, Red Brown, Ron O'Neill, James Mitchum. I remember this one, this cover. I don't know if I rented it. But I love these kind of mission movies, if you guys have not realized it. These kind of ragtag group of guys going on a crazy mission. Uncommon Valor, Let's Get Harry, Mercenary Fighters, I'm sure, is in the same kind of vein. Next up, we have The Man Who Lies by Alan Robert Gurlett. And uh, this is the only one I don't think I had John-Louis um, who's He's in a bunch of stuff He's in the uh, Death Laid an Egg Is that the one? Um, or Death Occurred at Midnight He's in one of those early Giallo movies from 1969 But uh, yeah, this is the only one I didn't have From Kino with this director So I, so I picked it up during the sale Looks interesting enough I, I need to dive into that guy's movies more and then of course you guys saw me talk about cannibal camp out, but there's some more stuff I picked up from TerraVision. And this is uh, wolf lake. i not wolf. Lake. this is called wolf. Sorry. Wolf lakes from 80. This is, uh, the Friday 13th Indonesian version kind of deal. And I watched this already for 81. Um, it's a striglala, which is wolf. It translates to this movie is not great, but I, I was like, Oh, they cleaned it up. I definitely am interested in kind of checking this out. I did enjoy it and it was definitely worth an upgrade. Uh, um, because I didn't have it actually. And uh, anytime I watch a movie that I shouldn't be watching and it gets released, I buy it. And it didn't have a release before, so boom. And plus, I'm happy to buy it. So we have Captives here, which Gary Cohen, this um, is not the guy who did video violence. I, I've never seen Captives. Um, a study in psychological terror with a twist of irony. It sounds like a lot of fun to me. Looks kind of sleazy. Looks really sleazy. So hopefully, I'll check that out when I get a chance. Then we have Copperhead, the snake movie. Oh, good. Good thing you let me know is the snake movie. Your screams fall on deaf ears. Okay. This one I've heard about loosely. Never seen it. I don't know if this one's going to be any good or not. I, I don't hear many great things about Copperhead, but hey, I'm not that hard to impress. So as long as we get a decent movie, I'm happy. Um, there's a lot of killer snake movies from the 70s and 80s. Then we have End of the Line, which is an excellent Canadian horror film. This director also did Slashers, which I love. Um, this, is a, this is an underrated horror film. This is a genuinely scary, excellent horror film. I would put this on the list of one of the most underrated horror films I've ever seen, to be honest. I'm very happy to have this on Blu-ray. Well-deserved spot on Blu-ray. Very creepy. Watched this a couple times. End of the Line. Exceptional horror film. Um, but yeah, that's the last one from uh, Terrorvision, and the last one for the update. Let's get back to that video. Okay, guys, thank you very much for watching. As always, have a good one. Meh.